Tuesday was a day. <laughs> Tuesday happened. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a big day. Uh, for some of you, it may have been a disappointing day. Uh, for others of you, it may have been a great day. And maybe for some of you, you just don't even care. You don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the elections that happened on Tuesday. Um, you know, Democrats were hoping for a blue wave that would come through, and it was more of a blue splash. Uh, Republicans were hoping for a red dam to be built to stop the blue wave, but it had some leaks within it. Uh, so there's probably a little bit of a mix. You know, even in Florida, the elections were so close that the results were almost a dead even 50-50 split. And the reason why I say all of that is because I would bet that those of us gathered here in this room are representation of what we saw on Tuesday night. We come from different places, we come from different perspectives, and yes, we might find ourselves a little split. So today's sermon would have been really helpful uh, last week, um, had I preached it then. Or better yet, it would have been really helpful a few months ago when the campaign started and the smear ads began. Uh, but nevertheless, here it is today. Uh, and I, I still think that it's, uh, it's super practical, super helpful for us, not just thinking about politicians out there and issues out there, but also uh, within our own personal world and our own personal lives. So today we're going to look at a passage of scripture. Uh, that was written actually by the brother of Jesus. Yes, Jesus had a brother named James, but you won't find him throughout the Gospels, except for in one place he's referred to, uh, not by name, but he's just kind of there in the crowd. You won't find James uh, named explicitly throughout the Gospels. You won't find James following Jesus, and that's because James didn't. He didn't follow his older brother, Jesus. In fact, he thought that his older brother was crazy. And wouldn't we all think that, right? If your brother came to you and said, hey, I am the son of God, I am the Messiah, I am the savior that the world has been waiting for. I know I would laugh right in my brother's face, right? I mean, we can't blame James here. And it wasn't until after, it wasn't until after Jesus' death and his resurrection, that James came to believe that Jesus really was who he said that he was. That in fact he was the savior of the world. That in hindsight of the resurrection, James changed his opinion. And that's so essential to how we understand James and what he says to the early church here. And so this is what he says uh, in his opening statements to the early church. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Let's just linger there for a little bit. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Would you say that with me, that part? Quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And that's so, so, so important. Quick to listen, slow to speak. It's so simple, and yet it is so vital for the life of the early church back then, but also, I think, for us here today. Because when I think about 
my biggest communication breakdowns in my marriage, in my work, with my family, with my friends, it all stems from the times where I was actually slow to listen and quick to speak. That whenever there's some disagreement, some conflict that then leads to some tension, that then leads to some shouting and some yelling, that leads to some name calling, that leads to some shutting down and people having their feelings hurt, it all stems from speaking and from not following this advice of being quick to listen and slow to speak. And everyone, everyone benefits when we each follow this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And so let's take a look at this. The, the first part of this, quick to listen. What does that actually mean? I mean, what does, it, what does it mean to listen quickly? What does that actually look like? Well, it looks like this, that you listen first. That the first thing that you are to do and you are to do immediately is to listen. Before words start coming out of your mouth... <laughs> You should listen. That's the first thing that you are to do. Well, why? I mean, I have an opinion that I'm entitled to, and I can share that opinion with whomever I want. Yes, sure. You do have opinion. And you can share that with whomever you want. They may not like it, but you can share it with them. But may I just suggest, just suggest, may I suggest that you afford the person whom you are in conflict with the same privilege that you yourself would want. May you afford them the same privilege that you would want. That they would be quick to listen. And that you would be quick to listen as well. You see, that's what we always want when we're in conflict. I want you to be quick to listen. And I want you to be slow to speak. And when you're not, I will speak much faster. And I will speak much louder. And I will begin yelling and name-calling. But that's not what James is saying here. James is saying, and we all know this, that in the end we both want the same thing. We both want to be heard and we both want to be understood. So it's that whole do unto others thing that Jesus talked about. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. So, Slow to speak. What does it mean to be slow to speak, to speak slowly? Well, I don't think James means here that you are to literally speak slowly and to pronunciate everything that you are saying, because in fact, that usually turns out and it has a negative effect to it when when we do that, right? So he's not saying speak slowly. He means speak only after having listened First, Speak only after having listened first. And especially in times of disagreement and conflict, it means that you should almost 
feel late to speak. You should almost feel late to speak that even though you know that you have the perfect comeback, even though you know you have the perfect counter argument, even though you know that you have the perfect insult, B-L-A-T-E, late with it. Keep that comment to yourself, almost to the point that it feels uncomfortable. Literally bite your tongue if you need to, because because what you just might find is that if you are quick to listen and slow to speak, then you just might find that, that you could just possibly, just hypothetically, have your perspective changed or at least have your perspective enhanced from seeing it from the other side. So let me demonstrate what what this actually looks like. I I need a volunteer. Someone help me out. I mean, literally, I need a volunteer. Crampert? Yeah, Yeah, come on. All right. I know I could talk the lay leader into it. Okay. Yeah, come on up here. Come on up here. We're going to show them what this looks like. Okay, so imagine uh, imagine that Chris and I... uh, we're having a dialogue and, and we get into a debate. So put your hands up like this, right? Um, and, and I say something that just kind of pushes Chris's buttons, right? And now what is Chris going to do if he wasn't such a saint and if he wasn't uh, practicing, you know, being slow to listen and quick to speak, if he wasn't doing that, what would Chris do? Yeah, you'd push me right back, and then what would I do? Yeah, I'm going to push you right back, and then it goes back and forth, back and forth, until I say something that I know is going to hit him where it hurts. I know it's going to get him good. And so I say something that pushes him, and I push him away. And woo-dee-doo, I won the argument. Yes. Well, where's Chris? No, I still need you. Stay there. But where's Chris? Who cares? I won the argument. Am I my brother's keeper? Who cares where Chris is? But notice, notice the distance now between us. And see, you can win an argument, but you can lose the relationship. You can win the argument, but you can lose the relationship because what happens when we are in conflict, what we tend to do, what we tend to do is close up. Yes, even though our mouths might get a little bit wider and our words might get a little bit louder, what's happening in our minds and in our hearts and in our souls, I believe, is that we begin to close up. And so we end up facing each other like this. And we get nowhere. So let's imagine if we were to do this again, but now we practiced being quick to listen and slow to speak. So put your hands up like this. And so Chris says something that just kind of bothers me. And so he pushes. But instead of me pushing back, imagine that I was quick to listen and slow to speak. And imagine that I took his hand and we began to dance. <laughs> and you laugh. <laughs> and you laugh. But, but look at this now. I can see things from his perspective from where he was standing. And he can see things from my perspective from where I was standing. We can still disagree. We don't have to disengage. 
Instead, what I'm saying is that if we're quick to listen and we're slow to speak, we stop wrestling and we turn it into a waltz. <laughs> Let's give him a round of applause. But that's only possible, of course, that's only possible if we're quick to listen and slow to speak. It means that we have to stop being right at each other. Instead, we have to start being right with each other. Because what we so desperately want to do is we want to be right at the other person. We want to prove our rightness right at them and shove our rightness right down their throats. But what Jesus calls us to do, he doesn't call us to be right at each other, but he calls us to be right with each other. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And Jesus' brother continues on and slow to become angry. Now this is the hardest part, it almost seems, but it's the part that actually comes naturally if you follow those first two pieces of advice. That if you are quick to listen and slow to speak, then you will become slow to becoming angry. I mean, one of the reasons why most of us get angry in the midst of conflict is because the other person jumps in and interrupts us and jumps to a conclusion that is just not true. I mean, has that ever happened to you? Has someone ever jumped to a conclusion and made a false assumption about you? It's happened before. Not that you've ever done it to anyone else, I'm sure. So here's the progression. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and you will become slow to being angry. Well, that's, that's nice, James. That's, uh, that's, that's real nice. Um, you probably should have taken your own advice and not jumped to conclusions when your brother told you that he was the son of God and all of that. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, anyways, James, this is some really great advice, but um, shouldn't it be a little bit more, what's the word, spiritual or something? I mean, after all, James, you are Jesus' brother. You are the leader in the early church. So how is this scripture? How is this holy? James goes on, and he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It's a profound statement. The human anger, having to always be right, always trying to prove that you are right, pushing your rightness right down each other's throats does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And no matter how right you might be, if you speak of it in anger, you do not speak of God. No matter how right you might be, if you speak in anger, you do not speak of God. Because again, we want to be right at each other. We want to be right at each other. But Jesus, who was always right, was never right at others. Instead, Jesus, who was always right, always sought to be right with others. And there's the biggest difference in all the world between those two things. So what's more important to you? Being right at someone or being right with 
the other person. And that's the righteousness that God so desires. And so therefore, James goes on, he says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. In other words, let me put this into the vernacular of today, pray before you post. Okay, some of you got it, right? You know what I'm talking about. Pray before you post on Facebook. I saw y'all's accounts, okay, throughout this week. Y'all need to pray before you post on Facebook. I mean, is, is that not the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent within our world today? We say it kind of jokingly, but we know that there's a sense of truth in there. Pray before you post. Pray before you speak, and as James says, can save you. Can save you from a lifetime of regret. And friends, we we know this. Our anger can kill us. Our anger can kill us. I mean, good Lord, our anger is killing us as we see it week after week after week. And you know where it usually starts from? It usually starts from our words. When we are slow to listen and we're quick to speak and we're so quick to become angry. It's so easy to attack one another. It's so easy to begin to blame each other. It's so easy to be right, right at each other. But James says, get rid of it. Stop it, cut it out, knock it off. Get rid of all that filth. Get rid of always having to be right because you're so concerned about being right. And you know what? Your self-righteousness is not getting you anywhere. Your self-righteousness is not the righteousness that God desires. So stop it. Get rid of it. And instead, instead, James says, humbly, humbly accept the word that was planted within you. And you know what that word was? That word was his own brother's teachings. When Jesus said, blessed are the ones who make peace. Be right with each other and stop trying to be right at each other. Be right with one another. But now here's where it gets really challenging. Here's the difficult part, is that we're called to be peacemakers, not just with our friends, but with the people that we disagree with, and yes, even our enemies. Desmond Tutu said this, he said, if you want peace, you don't talk to your friends. You talk to your enemies. And that's the difficult part. And that's the messy part. But, but that's also the part where peace happens. That all those people who think differently from you, all those people who have a different perspective than you do, all those people who want to be right at you and you want to get right back in their face and be right at them, talk to them. But, 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 remember, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It doesn't mean that you can't disagree. 
And I'm not telling you to disengage. It doesn't mean that you can't hold a different opinion, and it doesn't mean that you are necessarily wrong when you choose to be quick to listen and slow to speak. It means that if we are to take what James says seriously, when he says, humbly accept the word that was planted within you, which can save you, it means that we have to. It means that we must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so what I'm not talking about, I need to be clear, I'm not talking about uniformity. That's what I'm not talking about. Uniformity is the expectation for sameness and explicit agreement. That's what uniformity is. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about unity. And unity means that there is an unbreakable bond between us. That no matter what tries to come in, what attempts to break up that bond between us, it will not because it's stronger than that. So it says this in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit. Just as, you, just as you have been called to the one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. The unity that we share in Christ Jesus as followers of Jesus is greater than any of our, dis- any of our disagreements or any of our dif- differences. It's greater than any of our political or theological differences. It's greater than any of our denominational differences. It's greater than any of our cultural or ethnic differences. It's greater than any of our gender differences. It's greater than any of our generational differences. That the most important thing, the most important thing for followers of Jesus is not our differences. It's our love and our peace. That's what's stronger than anything else. And that's the life that Jesus taught us to build our lives upon, binding yourselves together with peace, because there is only one who is over all, in all, and through all. And so if we can focus, if we can focus on our unity, there becomes greater room and deeper respect for the diversity of perspectives. Diversity of opinion and style and taste and and all of that. In fact, we might find that we develop a deeper appreciation and respect for perspectives that are different from our own. But it means that we have to stop pushing and shoving. And it means that we have to start dancing and turning. But maintaining... Maintaining unity is hard, even for Christians. Maintaining peace is hard, even for people who have been called to be peacemakers. Because trying to stop pushing and start dancing, it means that you have to be vulnerable. That to be quick to listen, to listen first is is a risk because it just might prove that you are wrong. Or it just might prove that you only had half of the truth. Unity is hard. 
I mean, I think that's why the Bible talks about it so much, to keep reminding us to work, to go to work on peace, that we are the ones who are called to be peacemakers. And my brothers and sisters, we have got our work cut out for us here within the church, let, let alone being peacemakers out into the world that is so divided politically and racially and socially and all of that, we've got our own divisions here within the church. We've got our own shoving matches going on within the body of Christ. And I can't make you be nice. I wish that I could. <laughs> I'm not just talking about you all, but I'm talking about the church globally. I can't make us be nice. I can't control what words you say or at what volume you say them at. I have no control over those things. I can't stop you from being right at somebody. But what I can control is myself and my big mouth, at least as best as I can. And I would urge you, I would beg you to do the same. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because, because Jesus has called us to be his peacemakers. And that we might be that for the world. If only, if only we ourselves can be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so here's the crazy thing. And let me just end with this. Here's the crazy thing. James got this idea of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry from his older brother Jesus, whom he did not believe was the Son of God until Jesus actually rose from the dead. But Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world, not as one speaking, not as one being right at other people, not as one always having to be right, even though he had every right in the world to be right at others. But Jesus came into this world speechless, silent as a baby. And for the first 30 years of his life, he spent that time observing and listening and seeking to understand. And he observed all of human life with with all of its joys, all of its pains, all of its beauty, all of its ugliness, all of its love, all of its hatred. He was quick to listen and slow to speak. But when he finally did speak, people clung to every word that he said. And people flocked just to hear him. And the crowd said that he spoke as one who had great authority, not because of who he was, because nobody believed who he said that he was. They said that he had great authority because he understood them. He was quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He understood. And isn't that what we all want? To be heard and to be understood. He had a different kind of authority. 
because of his ability to seek to understand, even though everyone disagreed with him. Everyone disagreed with him, even his disciples. But instead of debating or or instead of disengaging, he danced. And in that vulnerability, in that vulnerability and in that humility, he found great authority. And people today still listen to every word that he says. And the invitation is open for us to become his makers of peace. If we'll be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Won't you pray with me? So God, we come before you and we uh, give you thanks that you have called us to be your children. But Lord, we have to confess that um, sometimes we have acted way too much like children. (laughs) We've been slow to listen and quick to speak and quick to become angry. And so Lord, whatever that is within us, um, whether it's pride or feeling like we always have to be right. God, I I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you break that within us, that you open up our hearts, that you open up our minds to each other, that we would celebrate the diversity and that we would find unity in that. Not uniformity, but God, we'd find your spirit flowing through us, widening not our mouths, but widening our hearts to create greater empathy and understanding and love so that we could be for this world what you have called us to be, your body, sent out to be your makers of peace. So God, may that be so. May we have peace and may we bring about your peace. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.